Today, I'm here with Boulder-based oil painter Julia Bright, who is opening a new exhibit of COVID-inspired seascapes in Loveland at the Loveland Public Library. Julia, thank you for joining us today. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. So to start us off, how did you originally become an artist? I understand that you came here from the Soviet Union. I did, actually. Uh, I came here as a child when I was 12. I grew up in um, in Vilnius, uh, near the Baltic Sea, and St. Petersburg as well. And so uh, my parents immigrated um, a long time ago when I was a child. And I've always really uh, drawn and painted and kind of had my sights uh, set on a career in architecture uh, or some sort of an art career. But my parents were both engineers and everyone I knew uh, were either engineers or scientists. And they thought that anybody who didn't have anything to do with uh, math or science were just, you know, not going to make it in life. And so, so um, I actually started my college career in, uh, in engineering. And, um, and so went away from that path for a long time. And it wasn't until I got married in my mid twenties that um, I actually, it's kind of a funny story because I, my husband also told me that he was drawing and painting and he's a scientist as well. He actually works at CU uh, in the mechanical engineering department. Um, but he told me he was drawing and painting. And so for his birthday one year, I got him a watercolor drawing book. And it basically sat on a shelf for a couple of years. And one day when I was completely bored, I picked it up off the shelf and I started um, kind of doing the lessons there. And I was absolutely hooked, uh, absolutely and totally hooked. And so, uh, since then, I've read probably over 150 books on art technique. And when uh, we moved back to Boulder, uh, I met a friend uh, who's been a friend for years and years now, 20 plus years, who was an incredible oil painter. And I asked her where she studies. And she uh, told, asked me if I wanted um to know how to paint pretty pictures, or I really wanted to know how to paint. And I told her I really wanted to know how to paint. And so she introduced me to my um, teacher mentor, David LaFell, who used to teach at the New York Art Students League and now lives in Taos. And I've been studying and taking his workshops and his wife, uh, Sherry McGraw's workshops for years now. Uh, and that's how I became a serious painter. But I really, I was bit, bit by the bug about 25 years ago. What has the uh, past 25 years of painting been like? <laughs> well, it's been um, a long, very arduous, very exhilarating, very frustrating, very joyful journey. <laughs> Because, uh, you know, 
you can go along in painting for a while and then you hit a ceiling and you don't know how to get out of it and you want to get better. But the joy of painting actually is the fact uh, to me that you're always learning. I think I'm still going to be learning how to paint on my deathbed. And so the learning never ends. And uh, it, that's what's so beautiful about it, but that's what's so frustrating about it as well. <laughs> So with, uh, you mentioned that uh, you grew up near the Baltic Sea and the sea is now your new subject of your new art show. Um, so can you tell us a little more about this like relationship with the sea that you have? Absolutely, you know, I've been a still life painter for years and years. I've always worked um, out of my studio, but I've always loved the sea or the ocean. Um, uh, obviously having uh, grown up near the Baltic Sea, uh, going there regularly as a child and just being near the ocean has always been my jam. You know, it's always giving me joy and uh, just uh, relaxation. And I just, feel good around the water. And so, um, yeah, and when we came to the United States, there weren't many opportunities. My parents didn't have the means, um, but as I got married and kind of grew up a little bit and started making my own living, um, we started going quite a bit and specifically to South Carolina, to Hilton Head Island, which is my, you know, my peaceful place. That's when I close my eyes and I want to feel good. That's where I imagine the beach in South Carolina. Um, and uh, kids are going to school in the Bay Area too. So we, we go uh, to the beach in North California many, many um, times. And, um, you know, I, I've always had a special relationship with just water in general, actually anybody of water, whether it's a stream, uh, a river, uh, the ocean or the sea, I, I just feel very peaceful and I can watch the water endlessly. Sometimes I'm mesmerized by it, just like people are mesmerized by fire sometimes. Um, and so, I, but it's never been a subject of my paintings because um, I just always felt much more comfortable in my studio, setting up my still lives and, and painting from life. Um, obviously painting from life near the ocean is uh, very difficult because uh, weather conditions change all the time. The sun comes out, the sun goes away. Uh, you know, there are big waves, little waves, the water changes. There are a million different colors of blue that you can see in the water. And, and so you're kind of forced to um, you know, memorize, memorize what's going on and observe nature uh, as it's happening and understand the laws of physics and how sun reflects on the water, uh, how colors play against each other and, and then kind of take it all from memory and put it down on canvas. So, um, when I was, um, when there was COVID, obviously I, I was stuck as everybody else was. And um, I had a terrible year. Actually in 2020, it was probably the most terrible year of my life. My mother passed away, it was in a car accident and I was feeling really, really stuck and longing for um, 
somewhere to, you know, to, to take me away. And um, I wanted to travel to the ocean so badly and I couldn't. Um, and so I decided to paint it. And that's how my uh, Seascape series started. I'm terribly sorry to hear about all of that. My condolences are with you. Thank you. Um, I really appreciate it. It's probably no more than so many, uh, you know, millions of other people have experienced, but it was my own personal um, grief that uh, was very, very hard to get over. And painting the ocean actually helped me a lot. I'm glad to hear that. Thank you. With painting the ocean, so what has your experience painting it been like? Because you mentioned a lot of the, um, what you kind of need to know, the physics of the ocean um, and the likes was one thing that really stood out to me. So what's that experience been like painting something that's so dynamic? Um, well, it's difficult and it's easy. I think it's difficult because there are so many variations in color. Uh, there's the translucency. Um, you know, I like to paint waves and not just the beach and the deep ocean. And so with waves, there's a lot of translucency that goes on and there's uh, a, a great variation in color. And, um, you know, the foam in the sea or the ocean, if you look at it very closely, it's actually never really white. It's uh, a riot of purples and blues and aquas and, and uh, butter yellows. And if you really look closely at it, you, you're able to observe all that. And then, you know, when you look at the ocean, when the sun hits the water right on top, it becomes very opaque. Uh, but as it goes through the water, it makes the water very translucent. And so, um, just observing the physics of that uh, is very, very interesting and getting it on canvas takes a little bit of doing, but once you understand how the laws of nature work, you, uh, you kind of begin to realize visually what makes um, these things all come together in a two-dimensional space. So, you know, basically when you're painting a wave, for example, uh, you, uh, you're painting, um, the bottom of the wave is, is very, um, almost a bottle green. And that's what usually grounds the composition and makes everything else in the wave look uh, much more translucent. And then, uh, you know, the, the foam is, uh, much less translucent than the wave, but a little bit more than the bottom where, you know, the, the water hits um, the sand and kind of makes things opaque. So uh, there are millions of things to remember when you're uh, painting water um, and waves specifically. Um, but once you do it uh, a gazillion times, it sort of becomes uh, automatic and you begin to think not about how to actually depict something that is, you know, 3D on a 2D surface, but you actually begin to think about the visual idea, the composition, how your eye is going to move through the painting, where the viewer's eye is going to move through the painting, uh, where you want it to stop and where you want it to 
um, go back to and around the painting and how to make things interesting because, you know, uh, painting the same wave over and over again, uh, I you would think would get boring, but actually I could probably make a dozen paintings just standing on one spot on the beach <laughs> because the weather conditions change and um, and the the landscape changes and uh, they if if you know how to see and how to look uh, your imagination just opens and all these paintings come out <laughs> kind of like magic actually <laughs> with that what do you think the biggest challenge for you has been when painting the sea with everything um, that you take into consideration what do you think the biggest challenge there is. You know, the biggest challenge is how to communicate a visual idea to, um, to the viewer. Um, you know, there's some paintings of the sea that I've seen that are very, very boring and then and they don't catch at least my eye. And what, what I think of when I think of a visual idea is um, composition, edges, color, you know, there are some paintings that are solely about color and they really work. There's some paintings that are um, about the play of light and dark. There are some paintings that are about um, movement. And so um, a lot of the ocean paintings of mine are actually about movement and moving the eye through the painting and conveying movement in the painting. When you think about it, you know, you have a 2D surface, uh, you have a piece of paint and you have a brush. And that's just, you know, a piece of paint is just a piece of paint. It's not the ocean, it's not the foam, it's not a bird, it's just a piece of paint. And so when you use those pieces of paint to come together to convey a 3D visual idea, that is something that just, um, you know, that's, that's what I live for, actually. <laughs> that's what I love. Have your other works kind of used uh, some of that same kind of 3D imagery, what do you say? Yes, so uh, starting out as a still life painter um, actually is, is very interesting because um, in my studio, I set up the still life that I wanna paint. So I always paint from life as much as I can, even when landscapes, I go outside and I paint from nature um, because uh, I think that's a way uh, an artist develops is by, you know, at least the kind of artist that I am, a representational artist, um, develops that way by observing nature, whether it's in a still life in your studio or outside. And so um, I set up the still life and, uh, you know, I think in setting, I think setting up a still life is actually the hardest part of the process because, uh, you know, one thinks about what visual idea one wants to convey. And so, you know, and there are many different ideas. Maybe it's an idea of depth in a painting. Maybe it's an idea of um, just one focus, uh, which is a bright uh, against a dark. Um, 
your eye, uh, I don't know if you know this, but your eye um, most, uh, most frequently when looking at a painting goes to the biggest extreme against light and dark. And then it goes to color. And so if you set up a painting that way where you want the focus to be on something bright, then you wanna put something really dark behind it and then you will get a very dramatic visual impact. And then if you add a little bit of color, then your concept changes again. So, um, you know, and that's how artists think, at least representational artists think that way. Um, and so I use all those concepts, a concept about color, concepts about uh, depth, concepts about light shadow, and it depends on how I want um, the viewer to look at the painting and what I want the viewer to get from the painting. So yes, I, I mean, whether you're painting a portrait, a still life, a seascape or landscape, uh, it doesn't really matter. Um, you know, the, you have to have a concept initially, otherwise your painting is gonna be kind of wishy-washy and you're not gonna know what to do because based on the concept, a concept is kind of like a foundation for a painting. And so if you don't have a foundation, you can't start buying that sofa because your house is going to fall down first. So, um, yes, we we artists use those kinds of concepts uh, in representational paintings, no matter what we paint. Julia, for on my end, uh, you cut out for just a second after you're talking about um, how your eye goes from extreme light to dark and then to color for uh -huh. just a moment. Uh, could you just repeat what you said after that for our listeners? This is one of the pitfalls of doing digital oh interviews, God. but- uh, I do I not apologize. remember, what the heck did I say? Um, the way you were talking about it, I, there's there's a whole science to just how the eye moves during a painting. Yeah, yeah, so, uh, you know, so your eye, uh, just to repeat myself, your eye goes from light uh, to highest extremes between light and dark and then to color. And so if you just do, uh, if you just do a painting where you have a light object with something dark behind it, that's one visual concept, right? Your eye goes immediately to that. If you add a little bit of color, it changes the concept completely. And it makes your eye move through the painting. But the way a viewer's eye moves through the painting, if, if the artist is good, uh, it is exactly where the artist wants the viewer to look. And so by, for example, having edges and uh, impasto, uh, and I don't know if your listeners know what impasto is, but it's just very thick paint applied on the canvas. So very thick paint is a device used, device used by artists to, um, to get the eye to focus on where that impasto is. And then when you blur or blend the edges, the painter basically wants the viewer not to look there. So uh, it is very deliberate in terms of, you know, setting up a painting and painting it um, in terms of where, where um, the artist wants the viewer to look, to go, how he, wants, he or she wants to, the viewer to see the painting and what exactly about the painting um, 
the artist wants the viewer, the, the artist wants to communicate to the viewer. Thank you. Yes. Sorry again about cutting out, but um, right. with how, um, with the challenges you've discussed when it comes to painting the sea, what would you say is most rewarding on the other hand? Uh, the most rewarding is everything. Just every minute of the day spent painting and is I think, uh, you know, is every minute worth living to me. Um, it's what, uh, it's what is the focus of my life. It's my goal. It's my pleasure. It's my, it's what I think about probably 23 hours out of the 24 hours in a day. Um, and um, I, I, I love doing it because it feels to me like magic. It feels to me like looking at a blank canvas and taking, um, taking a brush and a piece of paint and making something that people think is a, I don't know, a boat or, or a tomato uh, that they could pluck off the canvas is uh, what really matters to me. And communicating beauty, really, uh, it, it's about preservation too, uh, about the fact that you're capturing a moment in time on canvas and, um, you know, especially landscapes too. It's, it's something that um, I think our environment is rapidly changing and preserving that as some kind of a record for people uh, to see even you know a few decades down the road to me is a very important mission but even you know even still lifes uh, of just household objects or veggies uh, if you look at still lifes of old masters we really we look at them and we appreciate the artistry and we appreciate the beauty uh, but we also learn something about our history we learn something about uh, the history of the world and the history of humanity, because, you know, what else captures the moment in time as well as art does? I mean, your iPhone is not going to be around even, you know, 20 years from now, right? Not the iPhone technology, but I mean, your specific iPhone is not going to be around, uh, you know, maybe even five years from now. Um, and all these things have such an impermanence and uh, an art to me is something that can be preserved for generations and, and show people how beautiful life is, how beautiful life is. Speaking of the landscapes and of preserving uh, these images and these um, phenomena, uh, so while turning your attention to the ocean, uh, you also considered the impact of climate change and human activity. So what was going through your mind when you were thinking about these impacts? Yeah, so, you know, being stuck at home during COVID, I just kind of was drawn to these stories about um, climate impact and how uh, staying home and not having a lot of impact on the climate actually was reviving nature. Like I was reading this story about, um, about dolphins coming back to, um, to the bay in Venice 
And uh, it's because uh, the human activity had stopped and they had room to breathe and, you know, in their natural environment. And um, I got a chance to go to Mexico uh, a few months ago and on the beach, there was so much seaweed in Southern Mexico. And they were saying that it's because of climate change that um, all of this was happening. And it, it just makes me so sad to think about it. And, um, you know, for my part, what can I do as one person, um, but, but to, just kind of preserve um, and record uh, what is happening. Do you know the beauty of this world that is so worth saving? I, I, you know, some small part of me hopes that people are going to look at the landscapes and seascapes and and think this world is so beautiful. We need to we need to save it. We need to do everything we can to prevent um, these things from deteriorating. So that's that's part of it. With that. Um with this exhibit that you have going. So what excites you the most about this exhibit? You know, um, Loveland, Loveland Public Library is such a wonderful venue and actually was there for the installation of my art. And there are other artists that are represented there. I, I don't have their names right now, but I think it's easy to look up, but um, they have these glass vitrines um, that are in the middle of the library and um, they're just beautifully curated and it's just so exciting to know that uh, people who walk into the public library are actually going to see and maybe admire my art and other artists art and one of the biggest things is um, you know my, my paintings usually hang in galleries um, and little kids don't get to see them very often. I, you know, I've never had a little kid come to my studio or, you know, come to an art gallery. Um, and I think they will see those exhibits as well at the library and maybe appreciate art and maybe even become an artist or at least, you know, even appreciating art is enough because I think uh, art, uh, makes us human. It makes us who we are. It it develops our and and establishes our civilization. And so carrying on uh, that tradition, um, you know, is is wonderful. I uh, I'm not sure how I feel about NFTs actually, <laughs> but, <laughs> but I like to, you know, look at and touch my art. And so I hope that tradition really continues. What would you say is next for you as an artist? Uh, well, I'm very excited about my one woman show coming up at the Mary Williams Fine Art in Boulder. I actually have been with the gallery for two decades. And in my opinion, it's the best uh, or one of the best representational galleries in the area. And so I'm very, very excited about my show and it'll have everything in it. Uh, it'll have my landscapes and seascapes and um and um, uh, still lives and maybe even a couple of portraits. So um, I'm working very, very hard to, uh, to get ready for the show right now. 
And uh, what work will be a part of the show? Will it be your seascapes or will you have other art that will also be in the show? Um, I'll have everything. Uh, there'll be uh, a smattering of seascapes, there'll be landscapes, and there'll be still lives as well. Yeah. It's great to hear. Um, out of the works you've done, which would you say is your favorite? Do you have a favorite work that you've done? <laughs> That's a hard question. I, you know, I never get attached to my paintings. Uh, I view paintings as a learning experience. And so um, it's kind of like, I, I, I do them and I let them go. And, um, you know, in one moment or another, I might think that the painting I just finished is my favorite one. Um, but really, they're just, they're all, they're all kind of a learning experience for me. So I never, you know, I get questions like, do you ever feel sorry to sell your paintings uh, or sell some of your paintings? And the answer is absolutely not. No, I just, it's, it's, uh, it's kind of, uh, you know, it's a composition notebook for me. <laughs> and so uh, I never, ever feel sorry that I let it go because I know I'll do even better on the next one. So I know that's a long answer to your very short question, but I really truly don't have a favorite painting. No worries at all. We, we appreciate the long answers. <laughs> um, now that comes to the end of our questions, but I am wondering, is there anything else you'd like to say to our audience and to our listeners uh, while we have this time? Uh, yes, you know, in my life, I mean, I've been doing this for over 20 years and I feel so grateful to my galleries and my collectors because I still can't believe that people are willing to plunk down their hard earned cash for something that I've created, which is uh, really, really amazing to me. And, um, you know, my collectors are people who are students and they're movie stars and they're uh, hairdressers and they're business tycoons. So there's not really a demographic of people that buy my paintings. They just, you know, they buy them because they really, really love them. And I am always grateful for that. And I am grateful for the fact that people still appreciate art. You know, with all the stuff that takes our attention from Instagram and Facebook to Netflix and, you know, and, and work, people still take the time to, you know, be still and look at a painting and appreciate art. And um, I, that makes me very hopeful for the future. Julia, thank you for coming to talk with us today. Thank you. It's been a pleasure.